You're listening to The Itch. My name is Casey. My name is Dan. And I'm Aaron. And this week, we're scratching another one of those long overdue itches, and that is the itch to talk about classic rock. Yeah, for those that are not familiar with our radio show that we do, the classic rock buck is a huge part of our radio show and was kind of a foundational part of our pitch to get the show when we initially pitched it back in 2004. And... Since we've been doing the podcast, obviously, we want to stay on more relevant topics to today. And so we haven't really had the chance to talk too much classic rock. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I'd kind of forgotten that, but we were we were pitching this show to some guys who were already in, what, probably their 60s or so? Roughly, yeah. Probably 50s or 60s. Yeah, guys who did kind of grow up in that, in that era um, when a lot of these like what we call classic rock bands were coming around. So I'm sure that that at least touched a little bit in, in their hearts as they tried to decide what to do with us. Oh, definitely. Because after <laughs> we got that, if you remember correctly, one of them gave all of their ACDC collection to us to play on the radio show. So, and it was, that was kind of like a, a huge moment for us too, because it was, it was like a, a nod of, of approval, you know? Yeah. That is true. I forgot all about that. Yeah. Rich Reichard, the program director, who everybody kind of thought was like a hard nosed kind of guy, but he, he was a big softy. He just put up a, a hard face. <laughs> you had to earn his respect yes. by being in the college for a couple of years. Like when you were a freshman, you were nothing to him. But by the time you got to junior and senior year, if you weren't, you know, a, a, a total idiot, he liked you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I was in his basic reporting class, I was the example of every death option available. right (laughs) but yeah so it was it was a huge kind of nod of approval to give like he gave us his entire acdc collection so we made damn sure to dedicate thunderstruck to him on our very first episode um that that meant a lot it was just something that we always did we had the classic rock block right off the bat in, in the first episode and we've continued it throughout the entire show in fact i think it's the only segment on the radio show that's actually maintain that we've done throughout the entire 16 years the next closest to that would be primus timus but we didn't start that for i think six months to a year after we started the radio show yeah i think you're right yeah yeah and one of the main reasons for that was because we all brought different styles to the radio show and classic rock was more my forte so that's that's where it came from (laughs) so you got about a, a half hour or so on every episode and uh, usually somewhere in the you do, what was it, the double dose? Yes. Yeah. Where a band got two tracks, classic, you know, radio style thing to do. And that was fun. It broke up what was usually like the more eccentric or maybe a little like when we did like ska or things with hip hop touches in the first hour or lighter things and towards the second half of the show, which usually was heavier. Yes. And then the classic rock block was smack dab in the middle as like, you know, in the middle of the sandwich. Exactly. The other thing that I absolutely loved about the classic rock block and what it added to our show was the diversity in the listening audience that it brought. Not only did it please our parents, obviously, because once it got us influenced on classic rock growing up, but which we're going to talk about much, much more throughout the rest of this episode. But the other thing is, is that, you know, just all kinds of people just used to turn in to the classic rock block. They would listen for a little bit. And then once I started playing heavy music at about eight o'clock or so, that's typically when they would tune out. that's true can i and i'll tell you here's my favorite thing about the classic rock block was you know how on most we're not um prototypical rock radio djs that are like always talking like this and and making like jokes about women and what you know that kind of like overly like macho stupid frat kind of vibe that's not really what we did but we did have fun with that kind of idea in one specific moment which is um, where most shows would do a recording of a little bit as an introduction. We had Casey introduce the classic rock block live and loud every single time. Yep. And and I, that never got old to me. I appreciated it um, every time I heard it. So at some point in this episode, Casey, I think you I think you got to do it because I know you've you've not done it for like a year now. Yeah, over a year. 
It's been over a year. And so (laughs) somewhere down in your heart, I bet you, you will feel the greatest of relief to get a good one out there. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, ever since we started this podcast almost almost a year ago as well, which is hard to believe as that is. True. We always wanted to kind of come back around to some classic rock, but uh, we just haven't really had a chance to do it. So that's another reason why we wanted to do it in this particular episode, just because it's been long overdue. <laughs> that's right. The other segments of the show, to kind of go back to way early on, um, was Primus Timus, where we play our track from Primus every week. We did uh, episode, I think, five was all dedicated to Primus. And then the flavor of the week concept where we take usually a new album and play a handful of tracks from it and kind of give a little review, which has been at least half of our episodes are largely based on album reviews or, or a variation of what would be the flavor of the week during the weekly radio show. Yeah, Most of the segments started well after the show started. Like I said before, the classic rock book was the only segment we actually planned on doing when the show started. And the rest just kind of came out of different ideas that we had just from getting other influences elsewhere elsewhere just having other ideas and to make the show more interesting and fun having a show with 10 segments probably not such a good idea but we hit up three or four and that's always good stuff like we never made it a full-fledged segment but anytime we played acapella music we always kind (laughs) of pretended like it was a segment (laughs) (laughs) oh man we're gonna do a rockapella episode and it's gonna be glorious (laughs) gotta get that on the list So I think the main crux of this episode is a conversation sort of about how classic rock has influenced us and some of the ways that it developed us as people and as um, music lovers. Before we get into that, we did an episode a couple weeks back about movies that rock, and we didn't really get into the biopics and things like that. But what we did get um, was some feedback from our friend Kaz. She is a a radio DJ in London who does something kind of similar to us. It's a a public radio show, and she has her own block where she is always out there trying to introduce the world to cool new bands. So she's kind of a kindred spirit in that regard. If you want to check her out, you can go to eastlondonradio.org.uk, or you can find her on Twitter at ELRRocks. The name is The Heavy Rock Show. But uh, she sent us a fun story related to um, to classic rock, particularly the movie about the doors. And so um, I think I think we're going to share that. I think Dan's going to going to break that out for us because it was quite entertaining. <laughs> yeah. And I'll try to do, I'm not going to do my best British impression, but I will read <laughs> this uh, as she wrote it. And so you can imagine that, you know, this coming from a British person probably sounds good. Just, just give it all the personality you can. Don't worry about the accent. It'll be fine. So she says, I have a story about the Doors movie. You might make you laugh. I was in Amsterdam when it came out, so we decided to go see it. And being in Amsterdam, we made a stop at the Bulldog. And mind you, the Bulldog is a place where tourists used to go mostly went to get their pot. It's a coffee shop with extras. And so they went there to get in the mood. Needless to say, they were ripped to the tits. So all (laughs) fine. Settle into our seats and the film starts. But it has subtitles. Okay, that's fine. But they were in Dutch, and the audio was in English. So there we were, trying to read the Dutch subtitles, even though we obviously couldn't, and more to the point, didn't need to. I blame the Bulldog. (laughs) That was back in the early 90s, and I think it's actually the last time I got stoned. Those days are long gone, but that was very funny at the time. (laughs) Yeah, I really appreciate that she sent us that, a story about being so Amsterdammed. (laughs) <laughs> that uh, <laughs> that you didn't realize you didn't need to read the subtitles because the movie you were watching was in your own language. <laughs> yeah, I can't say that I've been uh, like that Amsterdam, but uh, <laughs> I can honestly say I've been to Amsterdam. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> so so there we go. A fun story to introduce our chat on classic rock and a nice connection to the movie episode. I love when things all work together and I love when we get feedback from people. So anyone who is listening, we're happy to hear your thoughts. If they're entertaining, we might read them in another episode. <laughs> so with that, it's just after seven o'clock and now time for the classic rock block. <laughs> Good setup. I didn't expect that. That took me off guard. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, should I set myself up and say, insert time here? It's time for Hell the no. classic rock. That always no, sounded I'm... weird when you did it by yourself. That's I know, why. I know. <laughs> there, was, there was times where I'd even like offer to call in. You're like, you want me to just call in? I can just call in and say that part for you and set you up if you want. Yeah. Yeah. We should have just got you a recording of Dan doing introducing you so you could finish it and just, just rolled with that. Yeah. Kept the, yeah. Kept your part live but you know the rest yeah, of it. right right well and that that's also one of the funnier moments of the show throughout the years is 
we always have to hit the legal ID around that time. And then so <laughs> if if I was an- announcing the songs, I would wait for you to hit the legal ID. And sometimes you'd be like, uh, what are we what are we waiting for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that just gives me an idea for like a future segment we could do, which is like how to radio. Yeah. And I forgot yeah. we'd have to. Uh, yeah, it was me too. <laughs> but observation number one is that radio stations within about five minutes of every hour have to do an ID check and say who they are, what their called letters are, and where they're broadcasting from. Yeah, yeah that interrupted our our momentum every single show. Yes, right. yes. I, but it was better than plastic lady. Like I, I, I much rather would say it ourselves than than like use the liners or use the ones that they had in the system. Yeah, yeah. The the the, the radio station used to have a very very robotic monotone recording of a woman doing the the uh, id and so we called her plastic lady yep yep and i still remember it i mean i, I feel like that legal id is burnished in my brain for the rest of my life it's there i feel it too yep yeah that was one of my favorite moments in college whenever we had mike's radio production class when he would you know when you're a dj and you're announcing songs and most of your audience is probably you know on some sort of drug, you don't want to <laughs> come out sounding all excited. You want to oh gosh, you're spooking people. Yeah, <laughs> you want to be soft, and that was Inagana Devita. But <laughs> 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 which in turn always made me laugh because it makes me think of listening to like a classical station with you know Beethoven and Bach. It's like. Up next, that's Beethoven, and after that, Bach. <laughs> uh, that's my new favorite idea for a radio station. <laughs> I'm gonna. I wanted to see a thing happen where there's all these stations, and then the style of DJ is just like at random for them, and so that none of it really matches. <laughs> and after that, John Philip Sousa. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love that. Oh, that is by some Mozart. <laughs> that is the best. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So can can I lead off here on talking about um, how classic rock has influenced us? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Because because the long and short of it is that that for me personally it hasn't a lot, and that's <laughs> yeah. where I that's where I differ from you guys because you guys have a long much longer history with um, bands from the sixties, seventies, eighties. Really, for me, like I didn't discover rock music until the 90s and I didn't go back in time and kind of see where some of those influences came from from until way later. You know, even like a couple years ago, I was texting you guys telling you about how I just heard a Led Zeppelin, a specific Led Zeppelin album for the first time. And you guys are like, that's unbelievable. Like, (laughs) how is that even possible? Yeah, I believe it was Houses of the Holy, wasn't it? It was Houses of the Holy. Yeah, Yeah. I never actually listened to the whole album and until i was like 35 and i'd been doing a radio show for like 15 years before that it didn't make any sense i know i almost felt um, ashamed to be your friend at that point <laughs> i know I think dan was gonna boot me from the show but <laughs> in fairness you probably heard the entire album listening to the classic rock block during the show you just <laughs> oh yeah you yeah. just didn't know it <laughs> most of the classic rock in my life that i to this day have heard was from you guys on the show <laughs> but um because i grew up i grew up um, we've talked about this in a previous episode but um, what I heard was mostly what's called either contemporary Christian music or which is nothing like classic rock or the things that my dad was into from that era, which were usually more on like the singer songwriter, like folky kind of style. So like James Taylor, Simon and Garfunkel, Jim Croce, those kind of things. A little bit of Chicago here and there. I did know 25 or 624, but that's about it. Um, and so, yeah, I I really <laughs> trusted in you guys for education on what this stuff was and and how it how it mattered in like the broader picture of music uh because i was very unfamiliar with it and still and still to a large degree am that makes sense yeah well that's what doing episodes like this are always fun because then we get to expand the the topics of rock i'm i'm here to be educated (laughs) well and i don't know how much educational it'll be necessarily but (laughs) we will definitely bring up some of our our favorites that have kind of shaped our early listening to rock music yeah absolutely so you had kind of mentioned your your parents and how they influenced you on you know your musical influence growing up my mom was definitely a huge musical influence on me and one of the reasons why i wanted to be a radio broadcaster is because 
we always used to listen to KC and we would jam out, you know, we'd listen to all the songs. We, there were certain songs, obviously, that we would turn up and just rock out together, sing at the top of our lungs like nobody's listening in the car. Those were always my favorite times. Um, but she never knew who anybody was, like never knew. Like every time I, I was a kid, we'd be listening to a song, we'd be singing it. Like, Mom, what song is this? I don't know. Well, okay. What, how do you know the lyrics and not know what song it is? And she's like, I just know the song. Uh, so, okay. <laughs> and so, like, this went on forever. Like, every single band, I'd always ask, what song is this? And she never knew any of them. However, the one band she did know, and one of the reasons why I have such an appreciation, such a love for this band, it's one of the, the like, first bands that I truly remember falling in love with is Led Zeppelin. And the great thing about Led Zeppelin is that whenever there's a Zeppelin song, it you, it's obvious who they are. You know, it's obvious it's them. So that's one thing that like I really got attached to Zeppelin when when I was growing up because it was the one band for one that I knew, hey, this is Led Zeppelin. Uh, <laughs> and there was a couple other things that I absolutely loved about this band too. One of the things is that I always considered Led Zeppelin to be like every single one of the band members were a master of their instrument, uh, whether it was John Paul Jones on the bass, whether it was, uh, you know, obviously Jimmy Page and, and Robert Plant with their vocals and, and guitar or uh, John Bonham with the drums. Like they were all one of the greatest at their instruments, regardless of what instrument they played. I think it was because of how awesome they were, how well they they melded together. Uh, they just like lived to play with each other. Um, if you saw any of their concerts, which obviously I didn't get to see them live, but yeah, they just were an amazing live band. They always, you know, were such fantastic artists. They they put on an amazing live show. In fact, one of the things that I specifically remember about their live shows is that they would play one of their songs and just go on for 20, 30 minutes on, on a certain song. I think it was like Days and Confused, actually. And you just, I mean, it was just incredible. So it was, it was, that was one of the reasons why I, I truly developed an appreciation for rock music was because they were all such fantastic artists um, and, and just amazing at what they did. And they made beautiful music regardless of, I mean, every single album has every single song. There's no bad Led Zeppelin songs. I mean, later in their career uh, before Bonham passed away, I'll say Coda was not the greatest album, but uh, you know, other than that, they're, their entire discography is just amazing. I know. I will say that I know that they're one of those bands that um, there's eternal debates over which albums, like the the order of, of their albums. Yeah. Because they're so, the the bar is so high and they're so close for most of them that I, I obviously haven't listened to them as much as you guys to have a, a hard opinion about that. But I know that amongst um, rock aficionados, it is a war that is forever waged. And that's, what I find so interesting about Led Zeppelin is because, you know, those within the rock community, um, members of the who, uh, always <laughs> would say, you know, having the super group is not going to work. It's going to go, it's going to go down like a Led Zeppelin. You know, that's, that's essentially how they got their name. Oh, really? <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but then, you know, it, it took a while for, you know, their, legend to to grow obviously but they're for sure one of the the main rock and roll groups so <laughs> one of the other reasons why i absolutely loved led zeppelin is because when i was coming up in high school every all the things and you know i was really kind of starting to develop into a person and really developing a love for music and, and relying on music to get me through a lot of hard times through high school I fell back on Led Zeppelin a lot of the times because they were one of the few bands that sang about love. And I obviously, I wasn't a, a ladies man in high school, but it was, it was just one of those things that, uh, that I guess I helped fantasize about it more so because of, uh, the way that Zeppelin sang about it. They had a lot of songs about love. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but one of the things that I really appreciated was, you know, right around that time was, was the time that like the whole selling out became a thing, quote unquote, Metallica sold out and all these other bands sold out. And Nirvana was talking, you know, Kurt Cobain was talking about the selling out of, of everybody. And it was, it, it was almost considered selling out, just singing about love and just that kind of stuff. And so it was, I don't know, kind of annoyed me. And that's one reason why um, in high school, I, I did kind of like Led Zeppelin a lot more because of that. I was like, you know, 
they don't they don't care what they sing about. They sing about everything. Like if you sing about communication or just everything, yeah. like <laughs> anything under the sun. Um, it doesn't have to just be about love. Now, granted, majority of their songs are about love, but you know, I don't know. That's one reason why I really did like them because it was it defied the the whole selling out crowd. You know, technically, if you if you were consider the, the terms of what selling out was, then technically Zeppelin would have sold out a long time ago. <laughs> it was it was really like a modern, at least '90s kind of commercialized idea behind certain bands yeah. making their music more mainstream to be more i guess appealable but i don't know i don't think that zeppelin ever thought about trying to change their music to be more appealable i think they just thought about making music like that was their bottom line yeah i think that's a fair assessment so yeah that's one reason why i love zeppelin i'm sure that everybody has some kind of a reason or some some love and you had mentioned you know their discography and how that's a huge topic on on what everybody's favorite is i think everybody kind of has their own favorite I, i really couldn't list them there's no way but think everybody kind of has one album of zeppelin that just means something personally to them at least any zeppelin fan that i know of anyway <laughs> yeah for me it's houses of the holy because you know so. <laughs> <laughs> well like I, I know a good friend of ours has his physical graffiti uh, okay and you know which is you know, that's the thing is like everybody it just would be surprised about you know what some of people's uh, favorite Zeppelin. Mine is, I, I, mine's either got to be Zeppelin one or Zeppelin four. Uh, you know, the, the main ones, obviously I'm a mainstream type of guy. obviously. Yeah. Mine, mine probably would be Zeppelin four. If I had to, if I had to probably pinpoint one. Yeah. But they're all good. I mean, there's, there's really oh, yeah. no physical graffiti house. The Holy, they're all fantastic. If you want to get technical, my real favorite is the double disc. You know, I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> The greatest hits. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> well, transitioning into another band that kind of shaped me as a as a young kid. My mom and dad both listened to classic rock and KC95 as well. And my mom was a huge fan of Heart. And Heart, speaking of a band that does killer Led Zeppelin covers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ann Wilson uh, and Nancy Wilson can play some Zeppelin songs, let me tell you. Well, and their own songs, too, obviously. <laughs> obviously, yes. <laughs> yeah, but and they've had top 10 albums in four decades, so <laughs> wow, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. But uh, you've got, you know, songs like Barracuda and Magic Man. Crazy on You. Yep. I think we, we may have to have ourselves a, a heart episode sometime <laughs> down the line. We should. They have a biography out that's that's uh, free to read on Amazon if you're a Prime member. Um, and from what I understand, it's fantastic. It's, it's really detailed. It's written by both the Wilson sisters uh, and, mm. and another writer that helped them write the book. But it is a biography about how they came to be. And it's just a great story. I mean, I... I mean, they're two women that worked, they have the talent and they are, there is a reason why they're in the rock and roll hall of fame. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that they've come up multiple times in the history of this, this podcast. They kind of, they get name dropped, you know, here and again, I know we talked about them a little bit in reference to Alice in Chains, that story. Um, yep. And I, yep. and I believe a couple other parts as well. Yeah, and it's it's very interesting when you can cover so many different, you know, types of rock throughout the decades and still sound like they do on their albums to this day. That's actually one of the last outdoor concerts that I saw before pandemic times. I uh, went with my mom to see Heart and that was an awesome experience. Yeah, they're always a great band to see live. I, I remember the time that me and you went had the pleasure of seeing them uh, with Jason Bonham opening. He ended up for a set uh, for a good portion of their set. He came out and they played uh, like three or four or five Led Zeppelin songs in their set. And I mean, they, they can bring it. And, and Ann Wilson's one of the greatest rock singers of all time. And she's, she is what I would, you know, there's not many rock divas per se, but she's definitely the rock diva. If I would have to, if, I mean, I can't think of any that, that have a voice yeah. Or, or, yeah, I mean, there's some great singers, you know, Lizzie Hale and, and things like that, but like nobody, nobody comes anywhere f- 
fucking near Ann Wilson in terms of like just her ability to sing and and like her vocal range and it's she's just an amazing singer even even th- in this day right. to this day she has still got it yeah i would i would say probably one that could have given her a run for her money would have been Janis Joplin but she unfortunately didn't uh last as as long as yeah. as Anne has yeah so. i agree with that because <laughs> Jop- Joplin just had something like that raspiness, that that different tone to her that just made her unique. But Wilson's right. just got an incredible, like a, a cannon for a voice, almost. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's there's there's no question about that. Uh, and and seeing her live is just amazing because you got to imagine, you know, she's going playing like what every other day, maybe every three days or something, and and just belting it out like that every single night for one two hours a night and and i know that she's uh she's probably twice my age or getting up close to that (laughs) um so i mean that's uh, it's just amazing it's 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 a testament to how uh, great performers there are what amazing artists that they are and uh and the talent that they have definitely excited about some heart so if you get a chance to see them live I, i definitely recommend it even if it's just you know obviously pandemic style we get to pull it up on youtube or whatever uh you know if you're looking for something to do that's that's a great live show to to watch or to rip whatever you want to do yeah they, <laughs> yeah they, <laughs> there's a there's a couple of the, the allison the the heart uh i don't know if they got inducted or if they just did a live show uh but that's when allison chains first uh debuted with william duvall as their lead singer and those performances are very interesting to say the least, but very entertaining. So another band that I wanted to touch upon that is probably not at the top of very many people's classical rock influence bands uh, is one of the most influential bands of my life, to be honest. (laughs) Um, And so the band that I I really want to talk about today and, and kind of focus on for myself and want and, and explain why this band was so influential to me uh, is sticks. And I know a lot of people are like, what sticks? Seriously? Are you, are you kidding me? No, <laughs> no I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I'm talking no. about sticks now, just to clarify. I, now there, I, I, since I am a younger generation kid, obviously, or, or uh, you know, younger generation rock music lover, I was not a, f- a huge, obviously I was not around when sticks was uh, coming up and they were Dennis Young and Tommy Shaw. I've only been a part of the world when there has been two sticks, Dennis <laughs> Young sticks and Tommy Shaw's sticks. Okay. <laughs> so I am going to talk about Tommy Shaw's sticks. <laughs> okay. Cause Dennis Young is fucking weird. <laughs> and and uh, I, I'm just I'm a bigger fan of Tommy Shaw's songs. That's the real reason. It's I don't know Dennis Young that, that I'm personally obviously, but <laughs> you don't you don't know him personally. <laughs> I can't say that he's a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> but if I had to wager a guess, <laughs> I had to put money on it. <laughs> now can I can I interject here? Um, I want to note for fun here that uh, we did an interview with Blake Bedsall of the band Saul uh, about, I think it we posted about a month ago. We asked him who the best live show he ever saw was, and he said it was Styx. And so to confirm, he's talking about the same version of Styx that you're talking about, right, Dan? Yes, yes. Tommy Shaw. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So Styx was a band that formed in Chicago. Dennis Young formed it with a, a couple people. And then JY joined the band and he was kind of the rock guitarist. He's the one that really put that band on the map. So they put out about three albums and then Tommy Shaw joined the band. They put out an album that wasn't so successful. And then they put out Grand Illusion yeah. and they just took off. And Grand Illusion is a phenomenal album. It is one of my favorite albums. It's got Fooling Yourself, Angry Young Man. Um, and then obviously down the road, they kind of split really after all their success. I think after their one of their, I think it might have been their eighth album was released in 1990 is when they kind of started having a rift in the band on uh, you know whose band it was. And so they split. But one of the reasons why I absolutely love this band is because most people from what I understand, most people associate sticks with like just kind of the the ballad side of the rock, you know, the lighter side, the the, mm-hmm. the 
so to speak, feminine side of, of it, if you if you want to say that. So one of the reasons why I absolutely love this band, though, is because in, in college, one of the things that I was going through was just trying to learn how to not give a crap about what other people thought. Um, and Sticks really helped me with that. <laughs> and one of the reasons why is because nobody nobody ever will admit, at least and there's a that 70 show episode that the whole episode revolves around this, this theory that nobody will admit that they're a sticks fan. Everybody's a sticks fan, but nobody will. admit. <laughs> and so, yeah, the whole, the, the, the 70 show episode is one of my favorites too. It's a Thanksgiving episode where uh, Eric wants to go to sticks concert so bad that he decides to camp out for tickets during Thanksgiving and obviously upsets his parents um, and he ends up being the only one camping out for sticks tickets, uh, which is just hilarious. <laughs> and so like the end of the episode, they're, they're playing the, the song from, from sticks. And like somebody's, or it's, I think Eric pointed, he's like, yo, you're tapping your foot. And he's like, I'm not tapping my foot. Uh, somebody's ba- uh, patting their hand on their, you know, so they p- start pointing each other out that they're all silent fans of, of sticks. <laughs> so that's that's one reason why I like that episode kind of came out right around this time of, of college. And so I just really did kind of associate to that episode. I associated to sticks because and even my mom told me too, like because I was all excited. I got tickets. We were going to go see them live at the pageant. Um, it was actually one of the first concerts that I went with uh, with Hannah to um, one of our first concerts that we ever went to together. And uh, I was all excited. My mom's like, you're a fan of sticks because my mom, she was a baby in the sixties. She grew up listening to seventies music. That was what influenced her. And so when she grew up and when she was in high school uh, in the late seventies, um, she said that, you know, anybody that listened to sticks at the time was considered kind of gay. And I, she's like, I was like, wow, that's, I'm obviously not gay. Um, I'm, going with, <laughs> going, <laughs> I'm, I'm going with my girlfriend to see the concert. Uh, uh, but no, it's just, it's so, I don't know. I I just kind of unapologetically fell in love with sticks. I I love the band. I don't care what people think. And that kind of just became my whole attitude with everything in life at that point. Like I I love doing this. I don't care what people think. I I am who I am. I don't care what people think. Um, So yeah, that uh, sticks really kind of helped me get through that and, and, and kind of embrace that attitude um, and, and, it was because I I did love the band. I didn't care what anybody think. I thought, you know, I played them on our radio show all the time. I don't care. <laughs> you don't like them. Don't listen to my radio show. That's, that's, that's fine. So the thing, what I'm, what I'm learning here from this story is for one, you owe a debt of gratitude to Eric Foreman. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then two, I mean, I can't speak for 20 years ago or, or even back in the seventies when, which, you know, the time period they were riffing that joke on. But honestly, if, if you don't like sticks now, then I don't know what to tell you. Like that's on you. That's not on other people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sticks, sticks gave me renegade and I will forever be grateful for that. <laughs> and so <laughs> I love that song and I, I will not apologize for that in the slightest. No joke. Just thinking <laughs> about this episode and kind of prepping for it. That song came in my mind and I, I literally like, was just singing the chorus the entire day. <laughs> <laughs> like, to cycle back to something we mentioned earlier, the version of that song that cycled through my mind was the acapella version that I have. <laughs> Weirdly, but truthfully. And I'm not ashamed of that either. It's a fantastic version. So <laughs> I used to rock out to the song on rock band and uh, karaoke. Oh, I, yeah. I loved singing Renegade on karaoke. It's a high quality karaoke song. Also a great future episode topic, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) that's a, that's a very good one. I can understand why you would select that. Even my kids were like, what are you singing dad? I'm like, I'm singing one of the greatest damn rock songs of all time. How do you not know what this fucking song is? I did not educate you well enough. What the fuck? Yeah. How do you not know what the song is? (laughs) Apparently I have failed. Yes. (laughs) That's exactly what I said. I was like, crap. It's on me. (laughs) I got I got to fix this wrong right now. Get over here. We're listening to the song on repeat for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I have somewhat of a funny story regarding sticks myself. Um, so as a really young kid, like two or three years old, uh, my mom and dad bought a like newer VCR. 
And I think the place where they bought it, they had, you know, they always had TVs with the VCRs playing, you know, videos as displays or whatever. And when they got the VCR, they got a video of a Styx concert as well as a Eric Clapton concert. Wow. <laughs> so That's sweet. as a as a three year old, I wore out the VCR basically <laughs> playing Styx and Eric Clapton <laughs> VHS that that they got with it. So <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. And I'm sure that worked out well for them too, because you're just sitting in front of a TV minding your business. Yeah. They don't have to worry about you. Dancing around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Getting that energy out. That's right. Yes. And and Styx <laughs> puts on a great live show, yes. whether it's Dennis DeYoung version or Tommy Shaw version. But uh uh Styx is probably one of the classic rock bands that I've seen maybe more than anybody really um tom petty tom petty one yeah tom petty is the one that i saw the most but i mean sticks is still touring so they could pass tom petty i think i've seen that's true that's true i'm pretty sure i've seen tom petty like four times i believe i've seen sticks three i've seen sticks four times and then i've also seen tommy shaw by himself once Ooh, interesting yeah always put on a great show (laughs) yes Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the law. <laughs> Sorry. Can I just right. can I just make a side note here that uh, that <laughs> I've always found it entertaining that Sticks Renegade and Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody are are functionally the same story being told. <laughs> <laughs> More or less, yes. Kind of. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> It's, hey, mom, I screwed up and you're probably not going to see me again because they're going to kill me. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. That's true. I think Queen gets a little more in depth with it, but the concept is basically the same. Yeah, <laughs> that is a very good point. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, you have uh, South Park with the Eric Cartman version of Come Sail Away. <laughs> oh, gosh. For the longest time, for the longest time, that was the only way I heard that song. <laughs> <laughs> and even now, I think you just locked it in for like the next five more years. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> every, every or, or maybe I should be specific. Put it this way. Every time I hear come sail away, I, I insert a you guys at the end <laughs> of the line. I no have, matter what. <laughs> I have that same issue with poker. Uh, the Poker Face song by Lady Gaga. Oh, Gallier. yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever yeah. the heck that name is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> South Park does a great job of ruining certain songs. I mean, <laughs> they're ruining. They, they made the Poker Face song much better, along with the Gay Fish song by uh, Kanye West. Kanye West. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That could be a whole episode in itself. The wonderful fucking music of South Park. <laughs> the South Park knockoff man. songs. Who knew we'd be recording an episode and having a brainstorming session at the same time? <laughs> we've, got, we've got like five episode ideas in this since we hit record just now. That's right. While we're talking about one topic. That's right. <laughs> well, speaking of bands that put on killer performances and also have theatrical sides as well, one of my favorites and a big band that influenced my dad uh, was The Who. And that's that's the actual real spelling of The Who, not the Mongolian band. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Thanks Thank for, clarifying. for clarifying. Yes, yeah. I appreciate that. I was confused. Yeah, we have yeah. made that mistake before <laughs> and never again. No, but the, the Who was actually my first concert that I ever went to at 13 years old. So wow. uh, my dad and my uncles took myself and one of my other cousins to see the who and it was amazing and then dan and i actually were fortunate enough to see them a couple years back yeah and i i can't believe how awesome they were uh, roger daughtry's probably what 80 he's 80 something yeah he's getting up there Let, let's let's hold on let's let's here, clarify i got it right here he's 77 now so he was okay, probably so, 75 yeah. when we saw him and I mean, amazing. He sounded great. They moved great. They it was it was amazing. And you know that's one thing that's kind of a bummer about 
being such a fan of older bands is that you don't really get to see them in their heyday, but there are certain bands, there's a reason why they've been around. It's because they still know how to get it done. They, they know how, like he, he obviously knows his limits with his voice. He can't hit those notes that he used to hit, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, but he knows his voice that well enough to where he can adjust to where it still sounded great. It was, it was a fantastic show. And then you have Pete Townsend who can still do the windmill oh, yeah. uh, on the guitar to this day, which is incredible for a guy in his arthritis 70s. in his shoulder. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know, I know he doesn't pull it out, pull it off as often as he used to yeah. for obvious reasons, but uh, he can still do it. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, the who has awesome songs, you know, Bob O'Reilly and uh, one of our, uh, Hidden favorites is uh, Boris the Spider. <laughs> Written by the drummer Keith Moon. An interesting fact about Keith Moon that we're, you know, we're just talking about him. The Muppet animal is actually designed after Keith Moon. Yeah. Oh. He is. Yep. Yes, he is influenced by Keith Moon uh, because that's that's what Keith Moon was like when he was playing the drums. He was he was considered an animal. Like he just would just play, just destroying his drum set, and just by the end of it, he didn't even have a drum in front of him. <laughs> it, was, it was just right. knocked him, kick them all. They were everywhere, and the, they were just throwing it on the crowd. He was he was crazy. <laughs> well, Animal's my favorite drummer, so I guess I guess now I gotta go spend a lot of time listening to more Keith. <laughs> Yeah, but the the Who definitely has been one of the more influential bands, and you also have you know their experimental side with, with you know Tommy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's very interesting uh, musical. <laughs> Lots of drugs were involved in making that movie. <laughs> I should note that I, by by my recollection um, of being on the show, I feel like the Who may have been like the most played classic rock band in Casey's arsenal. At least I feel if I, if I made up a, like a classic rock block out of memory, the who would be all over it. Yeah. Because with eminent, they're one of your favorites. Yeah. <laughs> with eminence front being, being probably the top song. Yeah. Highly possible. <laughs> so you'd mentioned that the who was one of your first concerts when you were 13. So oddly enough, one of the, and I kind of just wanted to bring this up for debate purposes, but one of the first bands that, I went and saw when I was 13, one of the biggest influences in my life, musical wise is Metallica. But the thing is, it's like, I don't know if I would consider Metallica classic rock. I, I, I honestly, I wouldn't because I mean, there's, I don't know. There's, but that's the debate. Like, where does the line, where's the line on classic rock? Is it a time period? Is it a genre? So I, I kind of want to pose that question to our fans and the rest of you. What do you guys think? Hmm. It, it depends on how you look at it. We, we're we're kind of going back and forth on this before, but it's whether or not you want to consider it a time period or if you want to consider it a style, because there's there's certain artists in today's rock world that I would definitely say are in the style of classic rock. You have Greta Van Fleet and uh, Rival, Rival Sons, Sons as probably two of the biggest examples of that. But as far as a time period, I would probably say right before the grunge period, which would be what the ninety ninety one uh time frame yeah, yeah, that would be that yeah. exact spot at least at least when grunge uh exploded <laughs> I don't know it's that's hard for me and and maybe we need some people of different generations to weigh in because like the word classic to me just implies that it's it's a rock that is from the not quite as immediate past. So it feels like it would be a moving target. Like I'm sure that sticks and the who, and those bands didn't call themselves classic rock at the time. Right. Right. Naturally. So I don't, I, I have a hard time with that question. I think to me, it's definitely more of a moving thing. It could be this. And I, I almost hate to give this away because I kind of want to make an episode out of this too, but here's where I'm, here's where I'm kind of falling right now. I think that if you're a band, that's been around long enough that like a generation of bands can be taking after you, then maybe, maybe 
you might fall into that category. <laughs> Although maybe I shouldn't even say that because that would make like Lincoln Park. That's what a I was rock just at this getting point. ready to say too. Cause I was like, if, <laughs> yeah. if that's the case, then from ashes to new just stated that they were influenced by Lincoln Park. Does that make like yeah. a classic rock band? No, I don't think that's the case. No, it doesn't. But I still want to iron this out more. Maybe this one is one we need to throw out to, to the listeners to, to give us some feedback on. I think so. And I, I think it's honestly both. I think it's like a, it's a sound and it's a time period because yes, you can see that there are bands that have that sound nowadays, but there's no way in hell I would consider Greta Van Fleet a classic rock band at this point. There's no way I just, they're not, I, but, but it's a, it's a time period thing too. Cause like Metallica, I, I, I you know, maybe it's like maybe a time period of when they were relevant. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, because like hmm. one of the reasons why I wouldn't consider Metallica a classic rock band because they've still had hits all the way. Well, their most recent album, I don't know if I'd say that's a hit, but you know they're still putting out <laughs> albums. Um, <laughs> they're still doing. Yeah, stuff. but I kind of, I, I kind of consider them more of the metal genre of, yes. of the rock spectrum. Well, so. and and that raises another question: Do we need to have a classic metal? section yeah. like why isn't that a thing because like you know there's iron maiden there's black sabbath there's all kinds of classic metal bands out there that that really need their their due uh yeah megadeth there's anthrax all kinds of stuff yeah and to circle back to uh lincoln park they could be classic rap rock yeah there you <laughs> i like it. i think i think maybe also what we're looking at um the homework we could do is to find out where the term originated because to me it it sounds like a distinguishing term probably for mostly usable for like radio. Yeah. Where, okay, a rock radio station versus a classic rock station. You, yeah, there's going to be some bands that overlap and are murky, but by and large, you know what you're going to get with one versus the other and kind of more or less where that line is. And that's true too, because even, even just the term rock and roll itself was more of a radio term as well. Yeah. And we can, and, and, and also if you call, if you call uh, Led Zeppelin, Iron Maiden, whoever, just call them rock bands, you're still not wrong. It's not like they have to. Right. The word classic has to be part of it. That's They're just rock bands. Classic is just a timestamp to say that, you know, they're from before this era. And I don't know. It's a tough question. Well, Wikipedia has its own thoughts, too. And they've got... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> They've got some pretty interesting thoughts. I'm not going to lie. So they're deeming classic rock is basically a radio format, which developed from the rock oriented uh, album oriented rock format in the early 1980s. Uh, they basically say the radio format became increasingly popular with the baby boomer demographic by the end of the 1990s. And then they said that, you know, although classic rock is mostly appealed to adult listeners, music associated with this format receive more exposure with younger generations of listeners with the presence of the internet and, and digital downloading. Some classic rock stations also play a limited number of current releases. Um, they also said that uh, conceptually classic rock has been analyzed by academics as an effort by critics, media and music establishments to canonize rock music and commodify 1960s Western culture for audiences living in a post baby boomer economy. Music predominantly <laughs> selected by for the format has been identified as commercially successful songs by white male acts from the Anglosphere, expressing values of romanticism and politically undemanding ideologies. It has been associated oh. with the album era, 1960s through 2000s, particularly the period's early pop rock music. So they obviously, so there's a definition out there that they've defined, but I still think that this is a topic that, that can be discussed. I think it's a, uh, open for debate. I think so. I mean, as informative of what you just said was, it did come from Wikipedia, and so I think that that automatically leaves more room for discussion, yeah. mostly because we like discussing it. So, <laughs> right. So yeah, let us know what your thoughts are. What do you think is a classic rock? You know, is it is it a is it a period? Is it a particular type of music as as Wikipedia describes it, or uh, you know, or is it certain bands or certain style? Or do you have your own opinion that's brand new and and could be could be the definition, <laughs> or possibly is just absurd. <laughs> well we gotta know and so we're gonna we're gonna leave you with that that's a great a great question um i'm gonna go ahead and i know we i know we sell it in the little the theme music at the end but i'm just gonna put it out here again anyway we love interaction and you can interact with us in many places we have a website itchrocks.com which will lead you to everywhere else but in case you just want to hear it you can email us itchrocks at gmail you can tweet us at at itch rocks 
And our Facebook handle just also happens to be Itchrox. It was, felt so good to get all those in uniform. You can also send us voice messages on that website. Yeah. And if you do that, again, if they're entertaining, then there's at least some chance that we'll put them on the episode. Yeah. Uh, Aaron's still still waiting for our first uh, usable uh, voicemail. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. I like that. One day it'll happen. Usable, usable. <laughs> I'm just gonna, have to, I'm just gonna have to do it from my for myself in a disguised voice. And be like, hey guys, great show. It's, Y'all are probably the best podcast. Okay, see ya. It's Brad from Troy. It's Brad from Troy, and he's got thoughts. <laughs> oh man, that was hilarious. <laughs> Since you said Brad from Troy, you gotta you gotta explain it. <laughs> Uh, Brad from Troy was a, a caller on our radio show, and the caller was our friend Chad, who now is the music director at Lindenwood University. And he called in for weeks upon end, like as <laughs> Brad from Troy requesting whatever the hell he requested. <laughs> that was that was wonderful. Just send out that song to Brad from Troy. <laughs> I greatly appreciated his his uh, dedication to that bit. <laughs> It was like we knew it. We knew it for weeks, and it was him. And he did. He still stuck with it. I'll give him that. He was, he was dedicated to that character. You know, that's another episode idea. I think at some point maybe we have Chad on, and he can talk about what it's like to run a radio station, you know, and also and also prank your friends. <laughs> so interesting side note, real quick. Uh, the most played classic rock band over the last five years is Led Zeppelin, followed very very closely by one less play, The Who. I knew it. Yeah, I, I knew it. I figured I figured Zeppelin and the Who were the top two, regardless of what happened. Yeah, it's not even close. There's like not even any other fucking classic rock band within five plays of that. But you know what's <laughs> you know what's surprising? Like the next two popular bands, I don't know if you'd ever will guess this, to be honest. I, Probably I'm, not. I'm shocked. Uh the first one is Blue Oyster Cult. Okay. Mm. And the next one is Cream. Uh, Cream, okay. Yeah. All right. That one definitely surprises me. <laughs> so hit us up. Let us know your thoughts on the definition of classic rock. Um, we want to make a thing about this or get in a fight about it or do something with it here. Yeah. So <laughs> Twitter war. Definitely look forward to that. <laughs> a Twitter war. <laughs> we definitely look forward to that participation and that feedback. Thank you very much for listening, participating, uh, and, and giving us all the support. We really, truly do appreciate it. So thank you very much for listening. My name is Dan. I'm Casey. And I'm Aaron. And you've been listening to the Itch Podcast. Until next time, rock on! If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend about the show. We've got plenty of links in the show notes to continue the conversation, including the episode's playlist. And you can interact with us on Twitter, Facebook, or through Gmail and itchrocks.com, all at itchrocks, I-T-C-H-R-O-C-K-S. Up next, that's Beethoven, and after that, Bach. And after that, John Philip Sousa.